lost deep in the pages of your Bible are the books that are unmentioned, unheard of, and unread. They are the forgotten books of the Bible. All right, welcome to your church friends podcast. I am Chris. I am your look. Did I say that funny? I don't know. It sounded weird when it came out. <laughs> Why is my mouth moving like this? Why? Talking so hard. I don't think people really get that like the first few minutes of this show for us is a little more difficult than like the last 40 plus minutes. Yeah. Well, it's weird. It's because we go from like conversing about whatever we're talking about and they're like, all right, no, quick, we need to just jump into introducing ourselves yeah it's just a weird break you never do that so i think i don't know my brain is kind of like oh wait why what oh no we're back to talking now okay like we've been around each other for now like an hour and it's like i have to well not that i have to but i usually do start with like a conversational question that would be like when we first saw each other like how was your week or how's this or that and that would be something you would have answered like an hour ago or something like that and is that why you're just like, I need something different. I'm going to yeah. ask about pop culture. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's easier. Makes it simple. With that said, how was your 4th of July? <laughs> 4th of July was good. My mom's birthday is the 3rd of July, mm-hmm. um, but we didn't get to get together on the 3rd. So we got together on the 4th and whenever my parents we had barbecue with uh, Brandon and them came over. And uh, then my dad, because he's involved with the city, we got like special seating over at the park for the fireworks show. I was like, those things are exploding right in front of our face. And it was a pretty legit show. Nice. The finale would just pop, 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 popping off. I love fireworks. I love lights. Yeah, it was all good. So family time, mom's birthday, fireworks. We went to go visit Justine's family, her parents. They moved to Bunkerville, Nevada. And uh, I had like this weird allergy thing going on before we went out there where my nose was just running, but the desert dries you. So it went from running to just clogged right there in the nasal cavity and i couldn't get it out for like days it was just junked up in there but we had a good time it's a small little town in the middle of bunkerville, bunkerville. sounds like a small town where is it is it near like sparks uh, mesquite okay mesquite 20 minutes from st george so like it's it's right there by utah nevada mm. and arizona it's like right there by all the states and uh, yeah, it was a small little town. They had the firemen there. There was only one park and everyone everyone in the city went to the park and they lit off the fireworks. It felt like very, uh, gosh, what is it, the Stepford Wife type thing? Mm-hmm. Creepy, where like no one was blinking and uh, because it's by Utah, so it's like it's very Mormon populated, mm-hmm. right? So it just had this weird, friendly, over-friendly vibe for me. It was weird. Everyone was friendly. <laughs> kind. You know, for me, it's just that's People not were genuinely name. smiling on the yeah. <laughs> But they lit off the fireworks and it was cool. We took the dog with us and uh, he did good here with the fireworks. But there, I think, because there was like an echo within the mountains, Mm. a little bit of it freaked him out. And so I just had to hold him. Speaking of young things, Silas, his first fireworks and everything, right? So we have these earmuffs that he put on so that, like, I don't know. I'm convinced that kid is deaf half the time where he's just really good at ignoring us. (laughs) I'm trying to get his attention. He'll just keep staring off into wherever he's at maybe he's like me and he's just lost in thought but uh we have these earmuffs so we take them over there and uh, i'll show you some pictures after but it's just cool to see him just staring at like what is this experience right now so that was cool. yeah that seems like a good time mambas mamba is it called mamba there's two fruity uh candies isn't there one called mamba Sorry, for everyone listening, we were talking about the blue milk from Disney World. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then it tastes, you were saying that it doesn't taste like an hour later or something else. And yeah. in the back of my mind, I've been trying to think, what are those other ones called, those fruity, chewy candies? And I think there's something called like Mamba or something. Gosh, I'd have to go back and I had to ask Reed, but he gave like the perfect example of what that tastes like. And I was like, yes, and I couldn't get it out of my head since then. But we were talking about like things that, you know, when you drink it the first time, you're like, this is gross and disgusting, but you just get to used to it. And yeah. The blue milk at Disneyland is one of those things. Right, that was one of those things just hovering in my mind. Because <laughs> when you said it's not now and later, like, oh, Casey likes those other candies. What is it? And it just wouldn't drop it. But now that we've accomplished that, I'm free to move forward into Jude. Yeah, of course. Like, without Mamba's in my mind, I'm, I'm good to go. <laughs> uh, uh, Jude, part four. Planning this season, I didn't expect that when we got to Jude, 
would be like four episodes. It's 25 verses. Like, how do you split this into four episodes? And then uh, we found a way to really, I don't want to say milk out everything from the book of Jude. Uh, but I mean, there was so much depth. I felt like I couldn't, in good conscience, read a passage where, especially it's a podcast, right? So we're not preaching this. I'm not on a pulpit where I have 30 minutes trying to explain a book in good conscience go like, so uh, Michael and Satan debated for the mo body of Moses and just go over that like so quickly, like there had to have been some sort of context given into it. And, and what I really enjoyed from this book is that the seven, I think there's seven call outs that he does or examples, five from scripture, two not from scripture. Uh, according to whom? According to whom, <laughs> yes. Uh, that call out false teachers, but using these biblical examples that people would be like, I got that. I get what you're saying. I know what you're talking about. Uh, so I found this book just very fascinating. But in good conscience, I couldn't just run through some of this stuff. We had to we had to take our time and go through it. Yeah. I mean, it's the thing of we are dealing with something that exists as it is. So we need to take it as it is and for us to take it on its own terms. Right. Which is hard. Like as we've gone uh, even searching down these ancient documents and I've been able to understand them and a lot of these things being fresh or even working through. I know that I was raised with a, hey, that's not in the Bible. So don't look at it from a certain view or you come at it with a level of distrust and like even to wrap your mind around like Jude was kind of OK with at least some like, you know what I mean? And like there's various levels of acclimating to it and then even like, wait, wait, so now that all that's happened, am I still kind of seeing it from a correct view? Or like, you know, it's old, it's foreign to us in many different ways. And when, like you said, he's bringing up these different stories and these points, if we today were, just to go back to pop culture stuff, we were more of that, and we were referencing Christianity in terms of, I don't know, just Marvel MCU, right? Saying, oh, this is like Thanos this, or Spider-Man this, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But that got recorded, and for whatever reason, people in the future were like, we need to understand this, your church friends thing. They would need to go back and watch those movies. Yeah. Otherwise, it just wouldn't make sense. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what we had to do. We kind of did a little bit of like story review. Yeah. yeah. yeah we, became, we became like one of those uh, YouTube channels that does movie reviews, but it was like scripture stories. Scripture review. Yeah, I, I like the way you put that. And, and definitely even myself growing up in church, it was a lot of times looking at some of these books, the Apocrypha, they were like, you don't need those. You don't need to read those. You don't even need to look at them. Like they're bad. They're evil. Some of them don't support what we teach type things. And um, this and even going into the series uh, has helped me look at those in a different way that there are things that we read in the church. There are things that we read at home and then there are things that we don't read. And we have to kind of take away the black and white mm -hmm. viewpoint of some of these things, because what, like as we, you look through the Book of Enoch, it does amplify some of what goes on throughout the rest of scripture and it gets the, referenced in quite a few different places yeah mm -hmm. and, and the fact that it is referenced throughout scripture even more than what you would assume like most people are like oh enoch's only referenced in the book of jude i was thinking that and if you go over to second peter 2 verse 4 because again second peter and jude do that whole parallel thing so read them together is good says, for God did not spare the angels when they sinned, but cast them deep into hell, placing them in the chains of darkness to be held for judgment. If he did not spare the ancient world when he brought the flood on its ungodly people, but preserved Noah. So again, going, Noah, this is Genesis 6. This is those sons of God story. This mm -hmm. is what's referenced in first Enoch. So even though Peter isn't saying, according to the prophecy of Enoch, the seventh from Adam, where else do you get that he's finding these angels in the darkest chains or, you know, other places, Peter calls it Tartarus. And you get all these images like, well, what's Tartarus? What's that? And you not fleshes that out. Yeah, and that's what it is. That's why I see it as uh, something to be read alongside. It's like we would encourage people to read Tozer, would encourage them to read C.S. Lewis, John Piper, Watchman Nee, uh, Timothy Keller, someone more recent, yeah. even a Rick Warren. You'd say go out and read those things, but to not say read uh, some of the apocrypha literature. Don't read the stuff that the Bible writers are reading. Yeah, don't read the stuff they're writing or the early church fathers, or even don't even read the early church fathers. Like, go out and read those guys too. Um, I'm tired, Chris. I don't want to read all that. You're telling me my Protestant Bible has 66 books, and you're trying to add in the apocrypha. You're trying to add in the church fathers. You're trying to add in what, what commentaries too? What yeah. Are, you, are yeah. you trying to get me to understand this? I'm just trying to get you to understand your Bible. So read that first. Yes make that important but i'm not saying like 
read uh, Enoch as part of your devotion. Like that's not, you know, your devotional time, but read Enoch as something that's going to help illuminate some of the, the light that needs to be on some of these gaps. And then the facetiousness of me saying that, because like, honestly, I read a lot slower than I used to. Reading would be a struggle for me. YouTube and podcasts and stuff has just like destroyed my reading habit in a lot of ways. So I get it. Reading for me, like I read slow. My ADHD can like, man, I need to keep going back to the page and coming back to the page. So I was like, I get that. But when I look at the screen time on my iPhone at the end of the week and it goes, your usage went up by 8% or whatever that is, it's like, hmm, yeah, I could have been reading something like yes, this. I, like, I could have. Like, what did I do instead? I don't want to admit it. <laughs> <laughs> and even something wasteful. I mean, you even brought up YouTube. If you don't want to read it and you're used to the audiobook type thing, mm -hmm. YouTube has a lot of these oh, yeah, that are read. Yeah. That someone's reading. A lot of stuff is ancient. Yeah. Like, literally, like, as long as somebody has recorded it, it's probably out of. Yeah, uh, and they, they have some. There's a channel that I found that has a bunch of them that mm -hmm. you could just listen to it and just understand where it's coming from. And that's the other thing as far as listening, just like, I don't know how many Christian podcasts and like sermons and stuff I listen to. Give up the sermon, listen to the book. <laughs> like, you know, you just switch the source that it's coming. It doesn't mean that it's all bad. Yeah. And, and do it with discernment, you know, like as you're going through it, read with discernment, read it, you know, with that filter on. I guess there's the separation between what is scripture and what is still kind of authoritative or still just beneficial to read. Uh, so I'm not saying that this is something that should be preached at a pulpit. Maybe if you're giving fill in their background history and you're like, let me just give you a quick thing. I'm going to pull the thread just a little bit. You go home and pull the rest of the thread and figure out what you uncover. Um, I might have referenced this before, but you know, the thing is like, you have two wolves inside of you, whichever one you feed is going to be the one that whatever that actually is belonging to like another face that it got pulled from. Like, I'm pretty sure I do. Pastors using that all the time in sermons, like that's a pretty popular language. So, you know, it's yes, we can find useful things in different places. But as you said, use discernment. Just to sum everything up, I really do enjoy reading from the Apocrypha now. I really do enjoy uh, what I've learned from it. I don't believe that it should be part of the churches like preached through like, hey, open up the book of the Wisdom of Solomon so you could teach through that on a Sunday morning. But I do see it as it's good historical, theological and even spiritual uh, benefits for us in God's word. Like if we constantly go through the like, sometimes the Bible is a slinky and it expands and it closes. There are those gaps that do need to be filled. And some of the books really do fill in some of those gaps. So I see it as a thing. If you're a Christian and you want to get in deeper and want to know more, dive into them. But like I said, you know, don't replace this with your daily reading of the Bible. Don't replace it with a you know, studying of God's word, use it as a resource, a commentary for you. And I feel like if you go on that level playing field, then I, I, you should be good. Be a Berean when you come to it, you know, study, look at it and base it off of scripture. And that's all I have for that. Well, okay. Now that we've talked about Jude and the various things that it's referenced and how we can hopefully think about some of those things a bit better or a bit more informed. But as we get into more of the teaching of Jude, let's go. Verse one. Verse, oh, okay. Verse one, real quick. I, I just want to do it real quick because uh, I've been saving this. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. And we talked about this in the first episode. Why not say Jesus? Why not take that road, right? Where uh, if you want to have more of that authority in that presence, why not say you're the brother of Jesus? If, if we're going to go on the understanding and the belief, and, and I'll lean into that and say, I believe this is Jude, the brother of Jesus, who wrote this letter to the Christian church. Why not just say Y'all know my brother. He's Jesus. You have way more authority, right? You're going to say James, who, yeah, James, I guess, was important figure by that time. But why not Jesus? And I heard this quote. It was, uh, preach the gospel, die, and be forgotten. And I really feel this is what Jude was doing, right? Like, yeah, he has a book that has his name on it, and he wrote a letter. Like, he wasn't writing a book. He was literally he was just, just writing, writing a letter, letter to yeah. some people. That was his sermon, right? right? This was what he was preaching. But that quote just tied in specifically to that point of that it's not about you. Like, preach the gospel, live the gospel, be a, a believer, be a follower of Christ, die, and then be forgotten. Because if you're going out to make it about you, your fame, your popularity, or to be remembered, then you're going about it the wrong way. Uh, a lot of times uh, being part of like, our Christian podcast and being part of certain groups, you can see certain people, the way they say things. And it's like, 
uh, about your brand or about your image. And I get that stuff's important, right? And, I, and I, I'm pretty sure that's important for us, even for our podcast to be listened to. But hey, the, we, we went from number 28 to number 17. 18. Ah, there yeah. you go. Yeah. Humility. Don't have us jump higher than we should. Next year is number one. For Next year is number one. <laughs> but the idea behind it is that I don't want it to be about Chris. I don't want it to be about me. I don't want it to be about Murdoch or about even your church friends. I pray constantly that whoever hears this podcast, listens to it, that at the end of it, they don't go like, man, Chris and Murdoch knew some stuff, which I'm pretty sure they don't. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but more of that, they got closer to God, that they saw God in a different way, that they know him now in a different way, or they, they, they want to study who he is in a different way. And I feel, and then I'm going to wrap this point up because I could go on forever about it, that this is what Jude was doing. I'm Jude. I'm just a servant of Jesus Christ. I'm just like all of you guys. I'm a servant of Jesus Christ. I'm not going to claim the, the big thing. I'm not going to wear the crown that I could. My brother's James. And in fact, if you know anything about us, you know that while our brother was living, we didn't firmly believe what he was saying all the time. We weren't really on board with what he was doing, but something changed. And I can't take ownership of that anymore. I'm just going to be a servant. So I'm going to preach the gospel. I'm going to die. And then I'm going to be forgotten. And I think that is what he was trying to get across there. Yeah, just kind of to bounce off of that. I also just think that we are very far removed. And so much of Jesus is like theologized and like whatever. If you grow up as a child with Jesus and like you probably like say some off things with him. But you're also like Jude's little boy. And even as you said, growing up, didn't believe him and like all this stuff. But you do see that something different is happening and there's these miracles and there's stuff that you can't explain or there's whatever and you're hearing your mom say stuff about like an angel came to me and whatever and then after you and everyone else sees your brother get crucified shortly after just a couple days he's raised again and then he ascends to heaven after a few weeks is like i would put myself in the category of like yeah we grew up together me and him aren't the same Yes, I guess technically, like, we were brothers in that sense, but, like, it's not really, like, same, same as me and James. <laughs> like, me and Jesus aren't really that, like, you know? And I can see that as well. Like, I guess that's a level of humility. Just like, yeah, I'm not like him. He's different. But I would feel, like, just on a personal level, I would feel more of a brother to James because, like, man, we're just not Jesus. Mm -hmm. Like, he, he is something different. He is someone different. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I get to what you're saying. is like, I don't need to claim to be on that level. But I would be like, I don't think I can, in all honesty. Like, like you said, I'm a servant of him. Mm -hmm. uh, whatever he came down to do, he's not from here and everything else. Like, I'm serving him like everyone else. So I think that's a pretty good estimation there. Yeah, I'm with you. Right. Your turn. My turn? Yeah. Well, I wanted to make a comment just because the next part that we get into is when starts talking about all these certain men crept in unnoticed ungodly ones who designated long ago for condemnation they turn uh, grace of god into a license for immorality and they deny our only master and lord jesus christ see when we get jude it's that little page right before revelation and everyone's just oh so tempted to just jump into revelation so we miss jude but often stuck to jude is also third john and third john also gets skipped over and what a difference this is that when you get John writing his letter. So he says, the elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Beloved, I pray in every way you may prosper and enjoy good health as your soul also prospers. For I was overjoyed when the brothers came and testified about your devotion to the truth in which you continue to walk. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in truth. Beloved, you are faithful in what you're doing for the brothers, and especially since they're strangers to you. And he goes on like that, and it's like, what a stark contrast between John writing, like, man, you're my brother in the truth. You keep walking in this thing. But I'm having these brothers come and testify of your faith and the goodness, and you're walking in. I'm just so overfilled with joy. I was like, that's what we should be hearing about the teachers and the people that are set up in churches and even the heart that's there, right? Because you get the same heart from uh, Jude. What does he say? At the beginning, he's saying, mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you, right? Like, his heart is there, like, this is what I'm wanting for you. But you're just seeing, um, that's why I'm glad that we have all of these different letters and books that are in scriptures, because you see they speak to different things. We should definitely be highlighting and honoring and seeking out good teachers and for those of us that are teachers seeking to be the types of teachers like third john was talking about 
but for me, when it comes into this with what Jude is saying, when he starts calling this out, is one of the things that I've learned through scripture is don't assume that I'm not this person. Mm -hmm. And especially um, when he's talking about these teachers coming in, um, not everybody in the church is a teacher. Not everybody that reads this is going to get hit the same by it. But like me and you get hit different by this. Mm -hmm. So when it's talking about, hey, people coming in as far as leadership goes and they, they act this way, like I need to look at them and say, no, no, no. God, search my heart. Am I taking advantage of people? Is, am I like, is there any kind of immorality coming in? Like, you know, as we looked at uh, Balaam and Cain and Sodom and Gomorrah and all that, and just the essences of those characters, like, am I finding that in me? Is it's really easy to read this? And as we've said so often, go heresy hunting. I'm like, yeah, there's false teachers. We got to find them. We got to point them out. Jude's calling them out. I'm going to call them out. It's like, I got to make sure that I'm not being called out. Yeah, because first and foremost, I need to walk in repentance. And I know, especially because scripture says it over and over again, is that like pride can be built up and careful that not many of you become teachers. And like there's like all of that going on is like uh, I'm kind of in one of those situations where I need to have like guardrails and mm -hmm. I need to be strict in areas. So that's just the thing for me is like my initial reaction reading this is, yes, that is there in the church let's go point fingers but when i actually read it I'm like i need to shut my mouth <laughs> no, i'm not shut my mouth i need to open my mouth in prayer yeah i guess i'm shut my mouth towards like calling out stuff but yeah i think what i really like is that jude shows us all that we are vulnerable to mistaking our own desires for god's will that we can fall into that trap of being a false teacher ourselves because we can all approach God on our own terms like Cain did. Like, it's very easy for that, right? Like, I could approach God. These are my terms to this agreement, God. This is a contract that we're getting into. I'll allow you into my heart if you bless me and keep me and do all those wonderful good things. Uh, but I don't want the suffering. I don't want the persecution. And I don't want you to remove the things that I really still like to do in my life. So now God's basically a God on my own terms. Uh, we can use God for our own gain, like Balaam, like you said, like Balaam's there, and we could use God for our own gain. God, uh, do this for me, do that for me. It's all about me and my gain, and it's not about anything else. And then even with Korah, we could reject God's authority, and that's what Korah did. He rejected God's authority. And we have all the other examples of Sodom and uh, the angels falling, and all of those are just warning after warning after warning that we can all make those mistakes. And if we look at it through the lens of, Ooh, that's talking about someone else. Let me go heresy hunt. I think we missed the point. I think we missed the point of scripture. That scripture, it's it's a mirror, right? And, and I'm pretty sure that's in there, right? Like it's a reflection. Mm -hmm. a, a mirror reflects the image of what's looking into it. It doesn't reflect the image of something else. I don't look at the mirror and be like, man, Murdoch needs to cut his hair, which he did and made a few of us sad. But you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't look in my mirror that I'm looking at and be like, man, Murdoch really needs to fix this about him. No, I look in that mirror and be like, dang, Chris, you really got to trim those nose hairs. They're getting a little too long or those ear hairs. You know, you got to take care of those things. I'm looking at the mirror to, to pinpoint the things about myself and how to correct them. And so I like that you brought that up, that it is there that we can go after others instead of using the word correctly and kind of checking ourselves first. Yeah. And you use the word, it was like the first sentence you said right there, but then I'll follow along with everything that you said. But just that you were saying, like, well, we can serve God. Jude shows us that we're vulnerable to mistaking our own desires for God's will. Oh, so when you first started off in that, you said that Jude shows us that we are all capable of mistaking our own desires for God's will. So yeah, I think the reality in taking this and looking at ourselves in that way, because as you said, that we can basically all fall into mistaking our desires for being God's will, is that when you are mistaken like that, is that you believe to whatever extent, like some, sometimes you might know that you're wrong, you might know that you're being disobedient, but like sometimes you believe that you're doing the right thing, you're going off in the right direction, or like, you know, or those things just take over and skew your thinking as we can look at the villain series that we did and how much like mm -hmm. things can get in and screw up your thinking, you're just going full blown. So to just really have that come in and correct, because especially if, so we talked about as being teachers, it's applicable to us. If you're sitting under a teacher, who's teaching in this way your desires might start aligning with what their desires are right you might have a teacher come in who is very much about material prosperity 
and being able to have your best life now and god just wants full blessing for you and no suffering and no persecution and like that's all that you should expect and that sounds good and the more that you sit under that that your desires will start sounding like that too so even though it's calling out false teachers is that yeah everybody's susceptible to that um i think there's a more responsibility on the teachers because obviously they'll come in and teach it and under how we work with authority you have someone in a congregation going oh he's teaching it and you're more susceptible to it but yeah i guess that's just the other side of it is if you're not a teacher and you are the type of like, yeah, there's false teachers in the church. It's like, well, consider the things that you've been taught and really consider them to what you believe to be true and study that against scripture. Mm -hmm. It was like, first and foremost priority is get, what is it in the airplane? Put your own mask on first. Yeah. Like you want to make sure that you're not headed in another direction and, you know, take the log out of your eye and all that other good scriptural advice that we get. I, I really believe that what uh, he starts off before he even gets into like they slipped in. I felt and I had to write. So he was supposed to write about salvation, right? It was like, I was supposed to write about salvation to you guys uh, that we share together. This was my main thing. That's what I was going to do. I was going to write that nice love letter that John wrote to the other church. I was going to write to you guys, but you guys suck. So I can't do that. Uh, but he said, I felt I had to write and urge you to contend for the faith. And, and I think that that's the, the thing here, right? Is that uh, the gospel is something worth fighting for. So if we're... Uh, calling out people contending for the faith in a way like how are we doing it then because uh, that's the big part part of it is if you're going to contend for the faith is it attack 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 or is it love 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 uh, but i feel like sometimes we get contend for the faith wrong like you were saying like we're out there witch hunting or heresy hunting and that just looks bad i know as a church we're supposed to call out wrong teaching and there's a whole system and cycle to it but uh going on your youtube channel and like calling someone out it just looks bad crew tape letters right c.s lewis when you got a uh, uncle wormwood you know writing the letters to his young whippersnapper demon up, mm -hmm. up on top giving it advice <laughs> i just feel like that would be things like, hey check this out we're gonna set up a system that us demons don't have to rip apart the church the christians will rip apart their own church yeah because yeah when you get into that mode and it's hard, so I'm going to agree with you and then also look at the spot because, like, yes, we need to be loving. And when we look at God's impartial love, that that's the type of love that we need to have, that's the type of love that we need to have. And, like, yeah, to go out and to be known for that and to live that way. And that ultimately, when we're looking at anybody, a false teacher, anybody, it's just like, what's my number one concern for you? Is that, as you said, your number one concern for our show is, like, I want you to be able to know God that you'd be free of any kind of nonsense that I think I'm perceiving in your life and that you would be like a child of God and that you'd be walking in the fullness of everything that Jesus died for you to have, right? So it's just like, that should be our eye towards anybody. Like if there is a human alive on the earth, that should be your view towards them. Yeah. But then it's like, for certain men crept in among you unnoticed ungodly ones who were designated long ago for condemnation. I was like, okay, I guess <laughs> coming to like, these people are designated for condemnation. Mm -hmm. And that's the part to where it's like, it's not my role to judge where somebody can end up. Yeah. Like if I love them, but like whatever track their life is on is like, they've just denied God and there's no getting to them. Then like they're on that track towards condemnation, but like that's their thing. My thing is to like love them, but also love others by going, guys, I need you to pay attention to this teaching, like Jude is doing this thing. We can't have this happening here. So I do think that there is the rule. Yeah, it's to... like they they slipped in, right? So they uh, they slipped in, and uh, the, God's enemies usually come disguised as friends, right? They're gonna slip in. They're the wolves in sheep's clothing, mm -hmm. and so like they're gonna slip in to it. And what it, I like what you read right there that uh, they were destined for um, condemnation. Condemnation, right? And then what does Jude do? Here's seven examples of condemnation, like people, people who were judged because of this. Like here, here's the thing, here's the thing. And then he gets to like, uh, and there's so much in between that we get into, but then he gets into what I feel like is the, the main point of his letter, uh, verse 17. Yep. I feel like this is the main point of his letter and his letter, uh, what he's saying is the problem isn't stated in the bigger body, but the solution to the problem at the end of the letter. This is the main thing, is this solution. And we get to, but dear friends, remember what the apostles 
of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you, in the last times there will be scoffers who will follow uh, their own ungodly desires. These are the men who divide, who follow uh, mere natural instincts and do not have the spirit. But you, dear friends, build up your faith in the most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in God's love and you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Be merciful to those who doubt. Snatch others from the fire and save them. To others show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. So he's saying, like, this isn't shocking, right? This isn't new. In fact, he gave seven examples starting in early Genesis all the way through scripture of like false teachings already been out there. That's already been a thing. Like this is this isn't anything new that the church has to uh, deal with. And then the apostles, they, they told it, right? Jesus told us there will be a time when scoffers and mockers come in. But what do you do? What do we do? Well, I build myself up in my faith. I get in my word and I study it and I build up my faith. I strengthen it. And the crazy part about our faith being strengthened, it, it oddly enough comes through times of difficulty that I don't feel like my faith gets strong when things are kind of going smoothly. It's when my faith is challenged or tested that it gets bigger. Uh, when we went on a road trip last year, and I talked about on the show, the storm that I feel like we almost died in, uh, that was a scary four hours of my life. And I really felt that we were going to be that family that went on a fun road trip and we weren't going to make it back. That's how bad the storm was. Uh, we actually saw a video the other day, me and Justine, of a Prius trying to cross through like water mm -hmm. uh, that had flooded the road and it just started floating upwards. And she said, yep, that was my fear because we did that. We drove through some water and we're like, I was telling her, I think you could do it. And she's like, no, we can. I'm like, I think we can. And, and we did. But, you know, it was through her smart idea of following a truck who parted the the Red Sea for us, but that strengthened my faith. And then to even think about the stuff that I've endured and gone through before that, and I was talking to Pastor about it yesterday. Uh, 2019 is when I picked up my Bible again and started reading it after maybe five years of not, probably longer. And the growth I've seen in myself since then to now is just so crazy. But all of that had to go through that very difficult time to get to where I'm at today. So the building up of our faith. Yeah, and I think that that's the key point. I'm pretty sure I've referenced it many times because it just so stuck in my head. A Christian rapper named Bizzle, and he's got... You have referenced Bizzle before. Yeah, um, but one of his lyrics say, if you study the lies, they'll just make new lies up. But if you study the truth, then you'll know when a lie shows up or something similar to that. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's the thing when we're looking at so much focus on who are the false teachers and what are the false teachings and what is that and it's just like all that somebody needs to do is finagle it a little bit make it sound a little different make it like you know and if you're not equipped because you don't know the truth you're like okay that answered my question because that's what manipulation is like okay what do i need to do to get you back on board when we look at what you just said of building up your faith of just like yeah it was a hard time but like use that build up the faith and as you said, build yourself up in the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourself in the love of God. I really think that because you said, what do we do? And I think that it's as Christians in in localities, I know the internet and everything allows us to connect with people. And I love those relationships, but like get local Christians that you can get together with and go, hey, we need to get built up in this faith that we have. We need to find out the truth. We need to live the truth. We need to go to the extent that you said hate even clothing stained by the flesh. It's like, look, these false teachers, they're doing immorality, they're doing greed, they're doing pride, they're doing whatever. We need to go to a complete other spectrum of that going like, I, I want holiness. I want God's yeah. love. I want purity. I need to be surrounded by other people who want that too. Like we need to be in agreement with each other that like we're following and we need to be what does they snatch others from the fire? Mm -hmm. And I think that's what we need to be doing is just like, cool, get your grounding. But it's, I think it needs to have conversations. It needs to have people coming together more than once a week to listen to some other person talk, which hopefully you have a good pastor who can teach you well. But it's like the church needs to come together and start going, well, how are we living this out? What does this look like? How does it look in your life? How does it look in my life? Is, are we forgetting any commandments that we should be following out? And making sure methodically that we're coming into this faith and really living it out. Because when you have a group of people 
who know the truth because they're living the truth. Well, that's what you want. And that's the important part of the build of your faith, right? If you don't know what the truth is, anything that sounds close enough to the truth will get you off course. Uh, A.W. Pink says this, he's a, uh, the success of a legitimate coin depends largely upon how closely the counterfeit resembles the genuine article. Mm -hmm. And he even further writes in some of his other stuff, he says that uh, what we should do you know, with the false prophet is that every person, uh, they should be shunned as deadly as the plague, right? Like, don't let them in. The moment you recognize it, the moment you see the difference, don't let it in. Don't shun it like the plague, like, like how when coronavirus popped onto the scene early on and you wanted to not be around no one because you didn't want to get sick. All right. So just that point for me, and I'm glad that you brought it up because we live in a day and age where being offensive or being firm on something is a big no-no. Being firm on something and having your own boundary and making a decision like that, you're seen as offensive. Not that it is, but you're seen that way and you're talked about that way and everything else. And it's just like, when it comes to things as serious as like salvation and everlasting life and following God for yourself and for your family and for your loved ones, is like there's nothing more important to set boundaries in your life for than for what you learn from God. And like to make those be hard boundaries. Still be loving, still be gracious, whatever, but it's like, no, this is a hard boundary. And what's crazy to me when just like, oh, our culture doesn't know how to do that anymore is how I was feeling with a lot of this stuff. And then coronavirus comes around and all of a sudden. Yeah, we knew some hard boundaries. Families, parents to children, children to siblings, whatever it is, going, if you didn't get vaccinated, I do not want you around me. And the division between just like, hey, we can't get together. Like, we can't be physically close. I saw it turn into like a, you think differently than me on this issue. And we can't really associate because I can't trust you anymore. Yeah. And when we saw that over something, like you said, oh, deadly is the plague, which this didn't. No, it wasn't the plague. Different podcast. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> For that, all of a sudden we could throw down hard boundaries. When we're not, yeah. We won't physically associate with people. We won't even conversate with them. We won't have these things anymore. And it's like, there's definitely a line there to, like, I think that a lot of those people were really rude and mean, not loving. But as a church, it's like, yeah, how do we have that needed guardrail? Well, if you're saying there's wolves around, I have sheep. I'm not going to build a fence. You're an idiot. <laughs> you're an idiot. Yeah. Well, what does a fence do? It cuts off the property from other property and you stop things from coming in. Mm -hmm. Like, no, but why would you hate me like that? Because you're a wolf in sheep's clothing. Welcome back to the heated debate for the body of Moses. I'm your moderator, Remy from YCF Kids News. Devil, why do you feel like you should have the body of Moses? Well, the body is mine because I am the master of material things. All that is in this world belongs to me, and so also does the body of this murderer Moses. He killed a man in cold blood and hid him in the sand. No amount of good can save him from me. Michael the Archangel, what is your reply to that? The Lord rebuke you. Devil, isn't it true that you want to use the body of Moses as an idol for the children of Israel? No, that is a lie, and I would know a thing or two about lies. All I simply intend to do is bring it down to the people and let them do what they desire to do. Trust me. Michael the Archangel, what do you have to say about that? The Lord rebuke you. This debate is intensifying. We'll be back with more after this. Yeah, I think what Jude really does too is he paints the picture of it's a us versus them type scenario here, right? It's the us versus false teachers. Like the real enemy, the danger here is that the false teachers and the enemy, when he's coming into doing this, the danger was not that God would be destroyed, but that his family would be dishonored and its unity would be destroyed. But if he could destroy the family, right, if he could destroy us, the body, mm -hmm. through false teaching and coming in and divide us that way, he, he's one. I read over and over in well, the prophet. Well, it's destroying the, like, the, 
that's the main structure. Mm-hmm. There's other stuff built on top of that structure, but it's like if you can actually rip apart the family, there's it's not like oh, there's another thing inside there to rip apart other than the people that comprise it. Mm-hmm. Like you know, the family is that unit, like you're saying. And uh, the prophets constantly uh, say it. Ezekiel says it a lot. Talking to the Israelites, you defamed and you profaned my name through your actions. You are my people, and through your actions, you made my name look bad because our godly behavior demonstrates us as a legitimate member of the family Uh, that's why we live a certain way that's why we do things a certain way it's to say that i'm part of this family i'm part of this culture we're supposed to be a peculiar people yeah Yeah. uh and so this is i think what jude was getting at uh, was that was that it is us versus them but what do we do to for the people who are coming in like so okay build up your faith and then i like the second one Pray in the Holy Spirit, like pray in the Holy Spirit, get your spirit up, like get it on guard, get it with watchful eyes that can see the counterfeit coin, even though it looks so much like the real thing. Uh, But pray in the Holy Spirit, use the power of the Holy Spirit. I think for a lot of times we as a body don't really uh, lean into what the Holy Spirit can give us and what power comes from that and praying in that really does amplify it it's, it's like a we, we watch dragon ball and we talk about it a lot right so there's the saiyans in their normal form but what gets them to super saiyan any level one two through blue they yell really hard they yell really hard but they're like channeling in all this energy right they're bringing in all the power to unleash it citizens of earth raise your hands yes. <laughs> <laughs> help provide the spirit bomb um but it's it's that right like it's prey in the spirit is channeling in all that power so that way we can move in a more godly way and then uh, keep yourself in god was just like the most beautiful thing in it that those are the things we need to do build up our faith pray and keep yourself in god's love and those are the things that are really going to help us that we're praying we're learning and we're living the bible and abiding in god that that when i see that keep yourself in god's love to me i see it as abiding obeying in god like we're abiding in him part of the branch and thing i like that so i've got kind of a two for a huge thing for me personally when i look at just church body local bigger otherwise just church body in verse 18 when it says when they said to you in the last times there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires in verse 19 these are the ones who cause divisions who are worldly and devoid of the spirit division is one of those words that gets brought up over and over and over again in the new testament and like it's one thing that I've zeroed in on as like, a, if there's any hint of division in the church, like you've got to figure that out. And whatever's causing the division, like reconciliation needs to come in or like truth needs to be found out, whatever it is. Because when it gets divided, it's like you're saying, ripping apart the family. Mm-hmm. Just division for me is one of those things that probably since about 2017, 2018, like that got locked in for me. That's where coming back here to Calvary, it's just like, that's been a, let's get away from division. Let's bring people together and have that. But that said, just for myself personally, when looking at, hmm, how can I say this? I'm going to say it like I'm saying it to you, because I'm saying it to you. Forget whoever's listening, right? We live in a time where majority of people haven't read their Bible. And I don't think that you need to have read the full Bible in order to live a spirit-filled lifestyle. I know people who haven't, and like they are godly people, and I love them, and they love me, and it's fantastic. But when it comes to areas where points of division can come up, which tend to do with like teaching or something that needs to be taught. There's a lot of people who aren't equipped or who are under-equipped or who have been taught poorly or whatever, that you have people that are coming up who they've only gotten a Sunday school level of teaching for their whole life. And they've only been in Sunday school and then they become teachers in the church, but they only teach from where they've come from. Like there's all that going on, right? And just as we're reading all of these, all of these other books, that Jude references that for a long time those were fearful. So obviously that's gonna have like a wrong level. And for me, interacting with a American church at large that is very beholden to wrong teaching, mm-hmm. whether it's like just stuff that got blown out of proportion denominationally or stuff that's just like, no, that's just a false teacher that came in, whatever it is, is that that's the environment that we're in. I struggle sometimes with that self-doubt for myself that to where i don't want pride to be coming in for me to be like guys you don't know what you're talking about (laughs) like 
whatever you're saying and you're saying, like, let me show you what the scripture says in these ways and let, oh, you don't want to accept that because, like, you're so locked into your denominational view on that that you yeah. can't see the thing. And, like, I get worried that I would be a cause of division, maybe not because, like, for whatever reason, but because it's, like, pride coming in has knowledge puffed me up. Like, what's more important here to keep these relationships together versus to correct the teaching? And, like, what's the results of these? And, again, not causing division is really big for me. So whenever it looks like, hey, somebody's getting upset, they might go. I also don't want to compromise on, no, 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 but you need to stay here. Because, yeah, if you're somebody who's going to be living outside of the bounds of what the church should be, maybe you should go and, like, see what that is. And we're, we'll welcome you back in. There's open invitation back in, but like you got to work it out. So that's an area for me that between I see the divisions based on there's so many teachings and so much of it's ill-informed, but then for me to step in and just how division works and all that. And then the second part that I was going to say is that kind of that's where I like verse 22 and 23 is that in dealing with those situations, like there's all kinds of contradictory teachings out there. Hop on TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, the internet, whatever. Indeed, have mercy on those who doubt. Yeah. Because no wonder there's so many people doubting. You've just heard the same passage taught by 10 different people, and it was taught in 20 different ways. <laughs> like, how did that happen? So, like, we should bring mercy. Like, do you got doubts? Like, yeah. Or others save them by snatching them from the fire. Because some people are like, dude, you need to get out of that way of thought, like, real quick. To others, show mercy tempered with fear. Even the clothing stained by the flesh. So again, just looking at that purity that's there. But I know that those two things for me relate, but it's, it's two different things. But I don't know if you have thoughts on that. That to me was one of my favorite parts of understanding it. So when we were talking about like false teachers and uh, going out and heresy hunting and everything, it was like, what does Jude offer us? We'll be merciful, right? Because sometimes I'm going to say something that maybe not line up with scripture also because mm -hmm. denominational teaching or growing up hearing a thing a certain way that it's just ingrained right and i didn't do further study other than i just heard a dude say something or i heard a person say something right uh so be merciful because we could all be at fault with how we say things and then help them so how do we help them like i, I don't want to name drop any person who's considered a false teacher by like the general consensus of most christians um, go watch the American Gospel. They they point out a few of them on there, but a lot of people. No, yes, yeah, we'll just leave. There's names, but I'll, we'll just leave. Yeah, it. we'll just funny. leave it at that. Uh, pray for them so that they do. You can snatch them out of the fire. Like our job shouldn't be to shame them, but to bring them into the truth of who God is, so that they could have that relationship. And then you know the one thing I thought was really cool is the way he sets us up. It's like treat each situation individually. We, you know, there's moments when we need to show pity. There are moments that we can save someone and snatch them out of fire. But then there's going to be times where someone's gone way too far and we can't help them out. Um, and we have to be careful that when we're helping other people out that we don't defile ourselves, right? Like that, that way, uh, hating even the clothing stained with corrupted flesh, like don't get stained yourself trying to help someone out. Basically, don't, Profane God's name by your actions and how you are handling the situation by trying to call out someone else. Because we can look pretty ugly as Christians. We can look pretty ungodly as Christians when we go out there saying like, this person's wrong because of this, this, and this. But it's an individually uh, individual thing. And really, I do love that keep yourself in God's love thing uh, because the believers should make God's love the center of our lives. Everything about us should be about God's love. It's not that God's love is dependent on our actions, but that our actions are the result of experiencing God's love. And that point, right? Because I was giving an example as a teacher coming into a situation to where like there's something going on and like trying to get to the bottom of it and something that looks like division. You can have people who are viewing me or others as a teacher like this guy's coming in and he could be a false teacher. There's division coming as a result of like his teaching, whatever. I think that that key thing of is it rooted in love? What's your motive? Yeah, like, yeah. like what, is this person seeking something for themselves? Are they seeking something for you? And like, I think that that's a really good marker for everybody involved. Is like, where is the love in this? 
and really pursuing that and the spirit in that. And I think that that becomes self-evident. Yeah, those are good points. Staying in love. Before we move on to those last couple of verses, I did want to say one thing about false teachers coming up. Is it false teachers existing in the church? And obviously, I think that there's a call to like separate them from you wherever you can. Uh, in Second Peter two, uh, verse one says, "Now there's also false prophets among people, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the Master who bought them." Then he goes on to say bringing swift destruction on themselves. Mm -hmm. And it reminds me of, so Chuck Smith with Calvary Chapel, that all started down here in Southern California. So there's a lot of them around here, right? And there was one of the locations that there was some stuff going on and people went to Chuck and they're like, yo, this is going on in one of the churches and here's like one of the leaders and all the stuff. Like you need to get involved or whatever that was that they're telling them. And Chuck's response was basically, it's God's church. He's got it under control. If that's really the situation, then it'll, God will resolve that. And he did. Yeah. <laughs> that teacher was gone and like that whole situation changed. And like, yeah. that's another thing to keep in mind in this. And I think that going back, I think praying being so important, is it seeking God in the issue? One, because we are limited, we're limited in our understanding or whatever, pray, but also wait for God, right? And I think that those two things coming in um, obviously there's a time for action, but I think in some situations, just trust that God is active. He cares about his church. He cares about the people in the church. He's aware of different false teachers and different stuff. And yeah, pray. Yeah, I, I think that's a really important point because it goes back to the contend for the faith. I think we get lodged somewhat in the idea of like what contending for the faith means. Like, because we instantly, like I said, fight, right? We want to fight for the faith. And most people then think like, oh, fighting, physical altercation, uh, punching, kicking, biting, whatever. Um, Who are you biting in a fight? If it's more than one person, you got to do what you got to do to survive that fight. Anyways, but you know what I'm saying? Like, it, it's almost like it's very attackish, mm -hmm. like I said at the beginning. And uh, contending for the faith to me doesn't necessarily mean that I am full-fledged attacking. Contending for the faith can also mean to me that I am living my life and being a better example than that of a false teacher. That how I live in the obedience of God and reflect him, that he radiates so much more out of me that they see God more than they see that false teacher that's shining around them. Um, but also contending can be, like I said, the simple thing of praying. Praying for people. Uh, if you've ever thought like this person is teaching something that's outside of the gospel, have you ever in that moment said, you know, I'm going to pray that someone that God put someone in their life that could correct them in that? Because if you just posted something online and that was your way of contending for the faith, I think you got it wrong. If you didn't pray, God, lead them back to you in that relationship with you. Put someone in their life to correct them. We're missing what we're contending for. The, the one thing that, that we do see that we should get violent in is our sin get violent with our sin. Like it talks about like, you know, tear down, destroy all these idols and poles, crush them, demolish them. That's the violence, right? But it's not about getting violent with each other. We kind of miss that mark, I think, when it comes to there. Uh, I could go on longer about that, but I do want to get into the doxology. Yeah. On the doxology. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and present you unblemished in his glorious presence, with great joy to the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all time, and now, and for all eternity. Amen. Amen. Doxology is a cool word. Doxology is a cool word. It uh, here can be rendered also as the prayer of praise, or concluding prayer, or concluding doxology. And doxology in itself, I know we kind of briefly went over it in the first episode, but here is uh, expressing praise or glory to God. And it contains two elements of praise to God and then an expression of his infinite nature. So uh, the Bible term doxology would be word of glory. Some more just interesting stuff. But teaching, back to teaching, without fault or blemish, the sacrificial animal of the Old Testament. I I feel like this is where Jude's leading us back to, right? That when there was a sin offering, uh, it had to be without blemish, without fault. 
And when it says uh, to keep you for his glory and with his presence without fault, isn't anything that I do. It's about Jesus's sacrifice. He's the one that keeps me because he's already been sacrificed for me. He was that unblemished sacrifice for us. Right. And so when you look at that, going to that sacrifice, Old Testament sacrifice, right? You have the whatever animal it is that's unblemished and that blood is spilled instead of your own. And that, because it talks about coming into God's glorious presence, Mm -hmm. there's that whole thing about basically sacred space and coming into God's sacred space and you can't enter into that place if you are blemished, if you're unpure, if you're unclean. And like you said, well, in the Old Testament, that blood that was being spilled was spilled on your behalf to make you clean, to allow you to like kind of enter in. But Jesus' sacrifice was so much farther beyond the blood of bull and goats, as Hebrews puts it, right? The sacrifice that was once and for all to make us pure and clean. The fact that we can come into God's presence, it's like, it's, yeah, it's all because of Jesus. I really like that he's like, I was supposed to write to you guys about salvation, and now I've got to talk to you guys or write to you guys about false teachers, and here's all the examples, and here's all the stuff. But then he ends with salvation. Like, here in this doxology, it's like, to him who is able to keep you from falling in the presence uh, before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy to the only God, our Savior and glory and majesty and power and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Like he points it back to what Jesus did and that salvation only comes from our Savior. And he's the one that keeps you. He's the one that keeps you from stumbling, right? Like who is able to keep you from falling. So he's the one who keeps you from stumbling. When you abide in him, when you're living in his love, when you're when you're moving with the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you, you're praying and all that stuff. But he points it back to what Jesus did. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's through uh, Jesus, the saving act of God that has come to humanity, that we now experience salvation. To present you before his glorious presence without fault. He presents us there. I am free now also of the past and my guilt and my shame of sins that I've committed because once I'm presented to him, I'm faultless. There's nothing there. It's, the blemishes are all gone. All the things that I did are gone. They're removed. Uh, I feel like sometimes we get caught up in the, I've messed up too much for God to save me. And that's such a false teaching. Mm-hmm. It's such a lie of the enemy that he, he wants us to get caught up in that, that I'm too far. And God's just like, no, just, just come to me. And as soon as you do, and you, you get this in your life, like, Boom, it's gone. I don't remember it. The only person who remembers it is you because the enemy wants to keep you locked in on who you were. I'm trying to call you into who you are. And that is a child of God. Uh, So I do love that he's like, I was supposed to write you about salvation. But I got to do all this other stuff. But I'm still going to get salvation in there at the very end. I think they're just really looking at that because... All the stuff's important, right? And all the stuff in all of the stuff that we read is important. But I feel like those two verses really magnify what's most important, especially when you're looking to God. To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all time and now and for all eternity. To just place yourself in that, be like, cool, what's the purpose in all of this? That God will get the glory through Jesus for all time. And when you center yourself in that thought, right? And when that becomes a ruling thought, when that becomes a ruling teaching and understanding in life, again, those teachings that you take on like lenses that you see everything through, when you're seeing like, man, God is the one who gets all the glory. And you think about it, he's able to keep me from stumbling and could present me unblemished and will present me unblemished, right? It can take away a lot of the fear. I feel like sometimes there can be fear with like false teaching and all the stuff of, oh, how do I know what's right in the world and all the stuff in church or whatever. It's just like, no, 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 recenter. God is your savior. He gets the glory. He gets majesty and dominion. The authority that's there through Jesus. You know who Jesus is. He died for you on the cross. He loves you. He shed his blood that you would be forgiven, that you would know that, that you would experience that, that his spirit would be poured out and that you could experience this spirit to spirit, that you would be transformed, that you would walk like him. All these things are truths that, like you were saying, that lie of the devil that comes in, all those things are like such fundamental truths to life that the false teaching wants to take away from that. And I think that's a really focus in on who God is 
and that that's the reality, both for who he is, dominion, glory, and everything, then to just trust him that he'll keep me from stumbling. All I need to do is trust him. And you said abide in him. I think that that's super crucial, um, just kind of as my last thought for it, to abide in him. Because if we're worried about sin coming in, if we're worried about being off track and everything else, like get to know Jesus in this way, that you want him to be glorified, that you see God's majesty, that you realize that he has all dominion over everything, that you want him to get all praise forever and ever, right? And when you realize, oh, that's who I'm dealing with and that's who loves me and I can stay close with him, then you'll see that he's keeping you from stumbling. Mm -hmm. When you're in the thing of feeling distant from God and how you're saying, man, I didn't pick up my Bible for like five years and my prayer life is gone and all, all the other things can happen. It's like, you're probably feeling like he's not keeping you from stumbling. It's like, because you're running, <laughs> you're not staying close. So I really think that in looking at this, even just as you were saying, the doxology is to give praise and glory and everything to God. Is it, it's such a grounding thing for daily life for us. Mm -hmm. It's like the, the summation of everything is like, okay, we got false teachers. We got false teachers. We got false teachers. But, we got God. <laughs> but to the only God, right? Yeah. The only God. Because we do have other gods in our lives, but none of those gods can save us. None mm -hmm. of those other gods are all glory, majesty, power, and authority. None of them have all that. And he points it at the very end. The only God. This is the only thing. And, and like you're saying that that uh, sometimes we don't want to take the stand of in this time and age, right? We're hard to like say, uh, I don't want to make a division or a stand against certain things. And he's like, this is the thing that you need to take a stand on. There's only one God. And only through him and through Jesus Christ and what he did is all authority, power, and majesty before all ages and now forevermore amen and that's it we, we stand on that that's our foundation and then we build our faith on top of that and when we start doing that then we have a house that won't be shaken that won't be destroyed when the world comes to try to crush it with a false teaching or just life in general tries to sweep it away we, we we're we're sturdy and I know that's that was my last thought, but I want to give clarification just because when you're talking, it says to him who is able, he is able. Mm -hmm. And you said earlier um, when you're talking about stuff that, you know, just the clarification that it's Jesus working in my life that makes the things happen. Like it's not me. Mm -hmm. That's a really hard thing to get because I wake up and I live my life. Right. And, you know, like that's kind of the experience of it. But when you get the truth behind this is like, honestly, I'm not able to keep myself from stumbling and I'm not able to present myself unblemished. I tried that a lot. I'm not capable of that. And when I admit that I'm not capable of that and going back to Romans six, seven, eight, I'm just really like, there's this thing in me that's in. I keep doing the wrong thing. Like who's going to save me from this? Like who's going to like changes in me and to be able to go, God is able through his spirit. And when I was able to do that in my life and say, hey, I can't go without sinning in this area or I'm not loving two people in my life as I should be. or I'm this or I'm that. I'm able to wake up in the morning and go, I just need you in my life, in all of my interactions, in all of my goings. I need you to keep me safe. I know what today could look like mm -hmm. and I don't want it to look like what it could. Like I want it to look like what it could look like with you. And that that's the thing. He is able to do that. When you have those days where you're abiding and that's what it looks like and you're depending on him, it's like, man, what is it? You're even into his glorious presence with joy, right? With joy and with love and you're interacting with people and not bogged down with like your past or with stumbling into different sins and stuff. So just really want to bring that clarification that he is the one that's able. You can trust him that he is able. Yeah. And he brings you into his presence and in his presence, that's where we have the most freedom and happiness. You know, like that, that's where in his presence that we find our joy. And uh, I love this book. I really enjoyed it. And uh, it's been a fun little thing. Uh, next week, we look at Nail. I don't know how we're going to do that. I thought we were doing the Book of Jasher. <laughs> book of Jasher, <laughs> Book of Enoch, and uh, some of those other fun ones. Uh, maybe we'll have like more uh, shows on those ones down uh, further in the season. But yeah, next week is Nail. And we'll take a crack at that. We'll look at the history of it first and then go into the applicable side of it. 
yeah all of a sudden you're going to read it more carefully I'm like all right another four-part series yeah. <laughs> but like, i think we should do another episode on this all right i can do like five more episodes on and... jude but yeah we'll, we'll wrap it up with four um but yeah that's what we're looking at next week and that's what we got going on we got some cool stuff coming down we'll look at second peter in more depth so we touched on it we're going to look at the letters that john wrote um and i think we might have at the very end lamentation so uh some fun forgotten books that we're going to cover within the next <laughs> lamentation some fun forgotten books yeah, like, yeah. 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 So that one won't be as fun we'll see when we get there uh but yeah some some great stuff coming down with this series and then uh the next series i'm looking forward to as well we'll keep that one more in the dark until we get closer but i am chris and i'm yogurt we are your church friends thanks for listening Nahum, Obadiah, Jude, Philemon, Haggai, Amos.